I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 455. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Do you love God? Good, so do I. But here's a secret. He loved you first. (laughs) And his love is perfect. Uh, Rachel Lampa sings about this in her song, Perfectly Loved. I'm sure you've sung along with her, willing yourself to believe it. And scripture has something to say about God's perfect love too. And I hope it will ring louder than any lyric by the time we're done. But before we jump into it, let's listen. From the moment I heard this song, I thought of the verse in 1 John that says, Perfect love casts out fear. Uh, First of all, this tells me that there is such a thing as perfect love. It's not just a fun lyric, but a truth tucked into the revealed words of God. And the next thing I contemplated was that there is a purpose for perfect love. And and I realized that song is trying to dispel the lie of the enemy, that you are unlovely and unlovable. And heck, you might not even need the devil to say it. Perhaps someone in your life has actually said that to you. And I heard a podcast this week where the host was interviewing Rachel Lampa, and she talked about how this song resonated with her because of the lyrics. Who said that you weren't beautiful and that you didn't belong in your own skin? Who said that you were all alone and that you're never going to find love again? The host had been a single mom and had felt that very thing. So this idea of being perfectly loved by a perfect heavenly father is so special. It really is. But the song itself barely scratches the surface of what scripture teaches. So I hope that after our time together this week, when you listen to the song, it will remind you of all that you learned by interacting with God's word. The song is art, not scripture. So don't let your music replace scripture, but rather harness its power to remind you of the deep truths that you study on your own. So with 1 John 4, 18 in mind, I knew where I was going to go sit in scripture for a bit this week. Now, I've mentioned this tool before, but I've invested in Logos Bible software. And within this tool are various workflows to guide you through the study of a passage. So I tried something new. And this is what I hope that you'll spend a lifetime doing. You know, just try interacting with Scripture in new ways. That's why I share my Bible interaction tool exercises each week, my bites. So if you're a longtime listener, you know I have my favorites. Uh, They're good and they're comfortable and they serve me well. But I stretched myself a bit this week and I think I know how some of you are feeling now. 
because I'm super comfortable with the bites that I share and I rattle them off like nothing, you know, like it's so easy. But when you try them on or when you try them out, you might feel like I felt this week. You might feel like you're doing them wrong uh, because I went through the workflow for Lectia Divina. Now, this is a process of Bible reading and contemplation and prayer, and I've actually followed along on other podcasts that do this, and and I love it. Um, it's quiet, and it's reverent, and it's um, meditative, it, but I found when I was supposed to be contemplating that I bumped back into using my tried and true bites, and then I would just chastise myself like, no, Michelle, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And then I felt the Holy Spirit kind of chastise me. You know, I was in God's word. I was reading. I was interacting with it. And then I was in prayer and I was listening to him. So there's just no way I was doing it wrong. However, I'm going to try this workflow again in the future to see if I can resist my comfortable ruts and really lean into the quiet and contemplative nature of the process. And so I'm going to walk you through it and kind of like admit to you along the way where I felt like I was doing it wrong, but I do want to try it again. But first, very first thing you need to do is to prepare in quietness. Now, I began by asking the Holy Spirit to guide my time of reading and reflection, show me his truth. I asked him to make me ready to hear what he wanted to bring to my mind. And then I laid my distractions down at his feet. Now, this is using the Bible interaction tool exercise of prayer, by the way. I loved that I've actually curated many or most of the steps of the Lectio Divina into my bites. And I love taking the bite of prayer first. I hope it's something that you do every time. I know I don't mention it every podcast, but it should be something that you do as you um, pick up God's holy word and enter into that time that you would talk to him about it and, and ask him to give you an unreasonable desire for his word that would lead to uh, an unsurpassable relationship relationship with him, that he would reveal himself to you like I did as I started out in this uh, process. So the next step was to read a portion of scripture. That's the Lectio of Lectio Divina. So Lectio means reading in Latin. Uh, the workflow that I chose was for First John 4, 17 through 19. It's kind of like a little built-in workflow within Logos, but I couldn't help myself. I, I just wanted to go read it in context. I actually started to jump back into 1 John 3 and read through chapter 5, but I did stop myself because Lectio Divina is really about quiet reflection on God's word in generally smaller chunks. So see, I was doing it wrong, (laughs) but really, there's really no wrong way, but I wanted to see if I could get some different results uh, by taking a different path. So I compromised. I did not jump back to chapter 3, but I really couldn't start with verse 17, and let me tell you why. Let's read, let's read 17 through 19 together. And this is, uh, again, what this little workflow had, had said was the section of scripture to focus on. It says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love We love because he first loved us. Great. It's a wonderful section of scripture, but let me read that first line again. By this is love perfected with us. By what? Right? So what is this 
that this verse is referring to. So if I was going to contemplate on perfect love as I uh, contemplated what these verses were actually saying, then I needed to know what this was. So I didn't jump back to chapter three, but I did enlarge my focus area to contemplate on verses 15 through 19. So I added a couple of extra verses. So verse 15, let's read the whole section, including verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. All right, so for the process of Lectio Divina, the point is prayerful reflection on God's word. And the guide that uh, that I followed suggested I read the text aloud and repetitively. Yay, happily. <laughs> Those are two of my bites. So I also have to tell you that I incorporated the bite of listening to music while reading the text. I normally, uh, the bite that I usually share is to listen to epic music when reading the epic narratives, of especially, especially in the Old Testament. But this time I wanted to feel contemplative. So I grabbed an instrumental spa playlist from Spotify and I, and I picked up the text and I read it again and again. Uh, sometimes I read it aloud. I, I tried to take the bite of slowing down and hearing myself read the text aloud would alert me as if I was going too fast. So I read it aloud, read it slowly, read it repetitively, and I read it to music, to the spa music, to kind of bring the balloon down in my heart, right, just to kind of keep it more contemplative. Now, at this point, the guide encouraged me to write down words or phrases that stood out to me during my reading, and I really hope you'll try this process for yourself. I'm going to go ahead and include all the steps in the show notes. You can find those at michellekneesat.com forward slash 455. Uh, but I want you to try. Inc- I want you to try all the steps, including writing down words or phrases that stand out to you. Now, I've done this before on podcasts. I specifically call it taking the bite of one word. So, if you want to go onto my website. And in the search bar, um, look for the bite of one word. That's kind of the the direction. I actually got it from a Lectio Divina podcast. So, uh, but for for me this week, epic fail. <laughs> there there was so much, not just one word, but many words. And again, I want to try this process again. I want to restrict myself a little. But here's my imperfect progress for the week. So this is what I wrote down in my observations of things that stood out to me. I, I started with a question and I and I flanked this in my notes with two question marks. So question, question, because as he is, so also are we in this world? Question, question. And I did that so that I could know that this was not not only a phrase that jumped out at me, but one that I had questions about. The next thing that I wrote down was fear has to do with punishment. Love gives us confidence. Love perfected with us. I put interesting word to use here with. 
And then the final phrase that I wrote down as an observation is we love because he first loved us. And I put in my notes, I wrote a blog post on this once and I kind of want to ponder this a little bit more. Uh, I'll go ahead and link to that blog post in the show notes if you want to ponder it a little bit more. I'm not really going to talk about it on today's podcast. But at this point in the Lectio Divina, you meditate on the passage. Again, yay. That's one of my favorite bites. So the guide instructed, turn those phrases over in your mind, which I thought was cool because I've said that before, just like that, and listen for what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you about those words and your own life. Savor the richness of the passage that it might accompany you throughout your day or week. All right, so the next time I follow this process, I'm going to give myself some more time in this step. I uh, felt like I could have taken each phrase and meditated on it for a whole day. I didn't do that. I kind of rushed through that. I felt like I rushed it this week and I didn't give myself enough time. But here are some of my thoughts that I recorded as I did meditate on, um, did the meditation portion of this process. First of all, it's all about the abiding. In the abiding, we come to know the love God has for us. In the abiding, we come to believe the love God has for us. Uh, it's not going to be in the singing of this song. You can repeat you know, your, to yourself the truth that you are perfectly loved. But scripture says this in verse 15 of chapter 4. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. All right, follow my thinking here. So as a Christian, you have confessed Jesus as Lord. You proclaimed in word and in your life that he is the son of God and you choose to follow him. At salvation, you are healed, uh, sealed with the Holy Spirit. His, his presence abides in you. Because of this, because of God's very presence within you, you come to know and believe the love God has for you. So let's back up and consider the opposite. Uh, that's another bite, by the way, considering the opposite. If you don't know or believe the love God has for you, so like as you sing this song, if, if you don't believe that you're perfectly loved, my question back to you is, have you truly surrendered to the Lordship of Christ in your life? Or let's look even closer. Like I said in my meditation notes, it seems to be all about the abiding. So once we are in Christ, are we abiding in him? By this is love perfected within us. By what? By abiding. In the abiding, we come to know the love God has for us. In the abiding, we come to believe the love God has for us. So my question to God in my prayer response time was, am I abiding in you? I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. I do want to finish my meditation thoughts. The prayer section comes in a minute. But uh, in Christ, we are perfectly loved. In abiding in him, love is perfected with us. Uh, but let's keep reading. To what end? So if we read in verse 17 again, because that was part of my meditation, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. In my initial observation, again, I had written question marks around that phrase. As he is, so also are we in the world. 
For Lectio Divina, I think I should have just lived with the tension uh, that I wasn't sure what that meant, but I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I took the bite of following the cross reference, which took me out of this passage for a bit. See, I did it wrong. Um, And I I discovered something and I'm going to share it with you. But again, like I said, I didn't do it. There's no wrong in, in interacting with God's word. But I do think that I pulled myself out of the meditation by trying to answer this question that I had instead of just sitting in the tension of the question. Uh, but First John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So again, if we are like Jesus in the world, then we are misunderstood by the world, are we not? So I think we want to be perfectly loved by every imperfect human around us. And that's just not what scripture promises. In fact, it promises the opposite. We will continue to be distant, uh, disconnected, unknown to people who are not in Christ. And honestly, to some who are, but that's or claim to be, but that's later on in the discussion. Uh, But this is true for us because it was true for Jesus. But here's where the scripture kind of shook me loose from what I wanted to think about. I I wanted to think about being perfectly loved uh, because that's what the song talks about. And I wanted to think about it for the sake of love because I want I want to feel perfectly loved. I want to know I'm perfectly loved and I want to feel it. But what God wanted me to think about was being perfectly loved so that I may have confidence for the day of judgment. So the day of judgment refers to the final judgment when God will punish the unrighteous. And he wanted me to really ponder that. I I thought about this day of judgment. I did follow a few cross references, but I, you know, he, he's always got the end in mind and I'm always worried about the present. But if I follow those cross references to second Peter, we learn that the day of judgment includes the destruction of the ungodly. And I I don't want to jump too far into the deep end of this rabbit trail. I jumped way too far into it in my own study. But Peter says this in 2 Peter 2, 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So this is in a section on false prophets. It's totally worth a read in 2 Peter because the language is strong. Their actions are terrible. Scripture says that they will be among us, meaning among believers, so that we're not to be deceived by their teaching. Now, you won't be deceived because you're reading the Bible for yourself and you will courageously believe it even when it's uncomfortable. Uh, I just want to remind us God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But the day of judgment is the final judgment when God will punish the unrighteous. I will not be counted in that if I am abiding in God through Christ. I don't have to fear it because God's perfect love provides relationship and rescue. I'm going to be counted righteous because of his righteousness and God's perfect love has cast out all fear of punishment and judgment because I know and believe that his love is perfect and complete. All right, which leads me to my next question. What does perfect really mean here anyway? Well, John Piper teaches this. Most people, he says, when they say something has been perfected, mean that it was changed from a state of flawed imperfection into a state of flawless perfection. But the Greek word that John uses here, teleeu, does not usually mean that in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the word generally means finished or completed or accomplished. When something uh, like a trip or an assignment attains its goal, it is said to be perfected. 
So God's love accomplishes what it is meant to accomplish by saving me and giving me the confidence I need to be free from fear of punishment at the judgment. But there's there's another side to all this. I am perfectly loved, but what does it look like for me to love perfectly? Because after all, John says that my love will be perfected. So if my love is perfected, it's not that it's flawless, but it is love in action. Perfect love accomplishes something. And I know from reading past my focus verses that this includes loving others. I am perfectly loved to love perfectly. All right, now those are just some of my meditations. I had more, but I want to finish out the Lectio Divina steps with you. But as part of this meditation step, there was a section to ponder what the passage might invite you to do or how you respond to it. We've sort of jumped into that idea. If you're in a place where God is calling you to surrender, uh, you can know and believe in his perfect love when you do that. But for me, I wrestled with two bookends of conviction. There is the conviction of having a firmly held belief in God's perfect love for me. I am perfectly loved. I hold that belief strong. That is my conviction. And then there is the conviction um, that comes from being guilty of something. So just yesterday, I spoke carelessly about someone that I should be loving perfectly. Again, not without flaw, but attaining the goal. So not only should I not speak carelessly, but I should be using my words to speak life over this person, to pray for this person. I should be using my talents to support this person, not not criticize them, even though I disagree with them. So my meditations on this scripture led to an uncomfy feeling, as my daughter would say, one that led me to confess to the Lord and to a friend, ask for forgiveness, turn in repentance, all the things. So if you don't hold the conviction that you are perfectly loved, let's start there. But if you walk in that freedom, if you know you're perfectly loved, it is so that your love will be perfected to love others. All right. I know we're running a little long. I do want to share the last two steps with you real quick. So we've prepared in quietness. We've read our passage, meditated on the passage, and now we're going to respond in prayer. And the guide I used asked me to respond in prayer in two ways. The first prayer was to tell God what words, phrases, or ideas captured my attention and what they meant to me. And, and then ask for him to use this reflection to change my heart and life. So I loved this. I basically just regurgitated everything I was learning in a, in a chat with God, and I hope you'll try it. And then the second prayer was to pray back the words from the passage. Uh, this is also known as taking the bite of praying scripture. Here's mine. God, I only have the ability to love because you first loved me. You showed me what true love is because you are love. You extended love when I didn't deserve it. That is how I am to love. As I abide in your love, may I love more and more like you. Okay, the final step in the Lectio Divina process is to contemplate in God's presence, also known as be quiet and listen. And I did this on a walk. I actually did the praying and then the listening on on a walk. It was a special time with the Lord. It is a step I often skip, if I'm honest. 
Uh, so I encourage you to try it. <laughs> I had so many more notes I compiled during this process. I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? Because the time in scripture wasn't just to share with you, although it is always an honor to do this and kind of walk with you um, in the process. But it was time between me and the Lord, and it was precious to meditate on perfect love, both God's toward me and how mine should be toward others. So what's next? We'll take these five steps of Lectio Divina and contemplate 1 John 4, verses 15 through 19. Prepare in quietness, praying and asking God to help you to connect to him. Read the passage carefully, slowly, repetitively, and even aloud. Meditate on the passage and don't be afraid to log your thoughts. Respond in prayer and then sit in God's presence, listening for his response. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellenizat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellenizat. Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michellekneesat.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes of all the scriptures I used and links to resources I use in my personal study. And my free resource for email subscribers this week, easy for me to say, is an archive of my interactive worksheets that I've created for various podcasts over the years. You can find them all in one place in the archive I've created, and you will gain exclusive access to that archive when you subscribe to my email list at michellekneesat.com. And with that in mind, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Denise from Georgia and Rhonda from Alaska, Jay from Washington, D.C., Kristen from Ohio, Allison from Alabama, Adrienne from Connecticut. Welcome. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on the website through iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring Good Lord by David Leonard to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 455. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.